the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Most of us live every day overwhelmed and exhausted. We're always on the go trying to balance work, family, friends, and everything in between. Often it feels like our usual methods of coping no longer work. Today's guest, David Kuntz, says that it's time for something new, stopping. According to David, stopping is a gift to yourself. Knowing when to breathe and regain a clearer vision helps give you a fresh perspective and an inner balance. David has enjoyed several careers, including 19 as a Catholic priest, 20 years in the practice of psychotherapy, and over two decades teaching courses on managing stress and emotional health. He has authored seven books, most recently, The Art of Stopping, How to Be Still When You Have to Keep Going. Welcome, David. Thank you for joining us. Joan, it's great to be with you. Thank you. So, David, what inspired you to do the work that you're doing? How did you learn about stopping? Well, you know, Joan, it was really a very personal thing for me. Uh, I was a priest for many years and uh, going along fine. Everything was very uh, happy. I was a happy person, uh, very fulfilled as a priest. And then all of a sudden, the bottom fell out, the huge midlife crisis. So not knowing really what to do. I, I uh, almost, you could almost say accidentally, I did nothing. I went away to the north coast of California, and I got permission from my bishop, and I, I spent a month in a small cabin on the north coast of California just looking at the ocean. I, I, I really didn't do anything. I took a watercolor class and painted some terrible pictures of the beautiful north coast and um, did nothing. I looked at the ocean and uh, just was still. And only later, after I had gone back to my life and realized what happened during that time, did I realize that that was stopping, that my my inner life became available to me when I spent enough time to be quiet, to hear that inner voice that I'm convinced we all have within us, that we're born with. We're born with the wisdom, all the wisdom we need to live the life that we need to live. It's there. It's, it's, it's in our human, our human beingness. But because of the incredible distractions and, and noises and 
rushes and and all the things filling our lives with attention grabbing ideas and moments we don't hear that voice and i'm convinced that the only way to hear the voice is to be still is to be quiet is to do as much as possible to do nothing and that's what i call stopping and you know the interesting thing you're right when you're quiet you can hear the wisdom you can get the guidance but the problem is that we feel so guilty doing that because we're in this go 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 mode all the time when we sit right. and we're quiet you know we think we're doing nothing but you say that actually doing nothing is doing something so you know you you just touched upon how we can benefit from that but can you go a little bit deeper into how that actually makes our life more manageable well uh, uh yes and and one of the things i do with stopping is i divide it into three ways of doing it which is which are based on the amount of time that you give to stopping into still points which are very brief moments of doing nothing stopovers which are a little longer you know an afternoon or a day or two and then what i call grinding halts which are really longer times of stopping which some of us will probably never do in our lifetime and often we do at transitional moments in life a, a, a marriage a divorce a, a change of jobs a moving something like that so um, okay, why is stopping in, in any of those forms effective? Because it allows us to access our inner wisdom. And uh, as you indicated, one of the challenging things to do is to get people to actually do it because it feels silly. It feels waste of time. It feels like, what am I, why am I doing this? This is crazy. And and the stopping is uh, 100% countercultural. It's not what our culture rewards or encourages, nothing even near it. In fact, it encourages the opposite. Keep going, keep working, do as much as you can, work overtime and so forth. So yes, how to deal with the guilt that we feel uh, when we stop. Remember, this is a consummate gift to yourself and to your entire life. Because if you don't hear that inner wisdom, you're, you're going to end up one one day when you're too old and it's the cold dawn and in the morning and you wake up and realize, oh my gosh, I, I missed it. I didn't do what I wanted to do. I didn't become what I wanted to become because uh, I, I didn't hear that voice. I was doing what the world told me to do. Keep going. Keep doing what, whatever, uh, you know, the, the, the popular culture tells you to do. So we have to somehow convince ourselves that that inner wisdom is worth the stillness and and, and just get over the guilt. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I'm such a type A personality. You could probably hear that in in the way I speak. And I'm always asking questions, but I never Mm -hmm. sit long enough to wait for the answers. And I think so Mm -hmm. many of us do that. Yes, so, so true. Uh, I think it was Blaise Pascal that said, uh, all of human beings' problems can be attributed to the inability, our inability to sit still in a room. And that's so true. When, if you imagine, and, and, and uh, I encourage your, your listeners to just imagine themselves sitting in a room quietly, no distraction, nothing going on. You don't hear anything. You're just quiet in a room alone, safe. And I want you to stay there for an hour and do nothing. And I think most people would say, 
boy, that's not, that doesn't sound attractive to me at all. <laughs> that sounds like I, you know, because what happens, what happens is things come up and we're afraid of that quiet. We're afraid of that aloneness because who knows what's going to come up? Who knows what I'm going to start thinking about? Uh, in my experience as a therapist um, and, and even as a priest, what comes up is, is not nearly as bad as you think it might be. And if it is something serious, well, then you, have, you should face it anyway. Get some help and face it. So one way or another, accessing our inner life, that's, that's my key focus. Access your inner life because there is a, an immense amount of richness and wisdom. All the wisdom you need for your life is there. I'm convinced of that. David, is there a method that we should follow? Well, you know, I as I, as I mentioned earlier, I um, divide uh, stopping into three three ways. The first way, and the really the key the key to to get to, to begin the practice of stopping is to do still points, what I call still points. A still point, well, okay, let's, let's begin at the beginning. Let's, let me give you a definition of stopping, okay? okay? Stopping is doing nothing as much as possible for a moment or a month in order to wake up and remember who you are. So stopping is doing nothing as much as possible, a short time or a long time, for the purpose of, the purpose of stopping is to wake up, to be aware of the moment, mindfulness, many people call it, and to remember who you are, really who you are in your deep core and what you want. Because and if you don't remember those things, then really you're, you're open to a tragic life. You're open to uh, the possibility of living your life according to what the culture tells you to do, which is basically tragic because the culture is not going to tell you to do anything that uh, is anywhere near what your inner wisdom is going to tell you to do. So, okay, how do you get into stopping is with still points. Those brief moments in your day in which you stop, turn your energy in, say a prayer if you like that, say an affirmation if you like that, or do absolutely nothing. Just be still, turn your energy in, and then go back to your life. And if you dot your life, your day, with 10, 20, 30, 50 still points, I will guarantee that you'll come to the end of it more relaxed, more integrated, more aware of who you are, more aware of what you want than if you didn't. So getting into stopping do still points. And, and the, the advantage of still points, too, is, is you don't feel guilty about it because you hardly notice it. Uh, people in your life will not notice that you're doing a stopping. I like to encourage people to, for example, go to the bath, go into a bathroom, and if, especially if you can lock the door of the bathroom, and just look in the mirror, look yourself in the eye, then close your eyes, put a little cool water on your wrists, Breathe, always breathe. That's so basic to any still point. Take a nice deep breath and remember why you're doing what you're doing and what you need to do it. And then go back to your life. No one will even notice. In fact, you can do it even. I, do, I used to do it. I used to give uh, uh, seminars in stress management to nurses. And uh, I'm basically an introvert, opposite of you, as, as you acknowledge. And. Um, it was uh, that kind of a presentation is very challenging for me. So what I would do during my presentations is do these still points. 
and no one would even notice that I was doing them because they were just a few seconds. Just take a breath, close my eyes, turn in the other direction, just turn around maybe and start again. No one would even notice that I was doing it. So that that's the entry into still points, and especially if you're worried about uh, feeling guilty about doing nothing or taking a lot of time. Do a bunch of still points, and no one will even notice that you're doing it. David, is the goal to eventually make those still points longer and longer, or just those few moments would be enough? Um, good question. Um, the goal is not necessarily to make them longer, but my experience and what I encourage is that still points actually feel so good that you'll want to do a stopover. You'll want to take that whole morning or that whole day to be still and quiet and just fuss around and do nothing as much as possible. Um, but it'll, 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 the, the motivation is built into the accumulation of still points. So while the goal is not necessarily to do uh, uh, to do longer stoppings, but the reality is I believe that 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 often happens. The pandemic, David, has caused a lot of people Mm. to stop their lives, whether they like it or not. They were brought to a grinding halt. Do you believe that we may have achieved some of what you teach without even realizing it? I think that's a good insight, Joan. Yes, I think that's a very good insight. Uh, This has been an enforced grinding halt for many people. One of the things I I, want to say about the pandemic, though, is that um, the pandemic has hit different people differently. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm now retired and live a very quiet life as an introvert. I'm, you know, I have a very quiet life at home. So the, the pandemic has not affected me nearly as much as it has affected, for example, the young couple with two jobs and two kids and homeschooling. I mean, that is, that's a, that's a grinding halt for them, but they sure don't have a lot of leisure or a lot of time for themselves. So it's a very different experience for different people. Um, for those that, for like myself, that really have a lot of time on their hands that they didn't have, yes, this is like a grinding halt for them. For others, though, it isn't so much. And so I think they have to also uh, be aware of that and that uh, uh, still do the, the still points and the stopovers because their grinding halt is just a huge challenge. I feel, I feel so, oh, so deeply for those young people, especially the, the parents and with children at home, homeschooling and all that. That must be a, an incredible challenge. No, I agree. Going through what we've been going through, I, I say to myself all the time, I'm so happy that my sons are older and that I don't have to have those challenges that so yes. many of these families are facing. And, and really, right. for them, it is so important to take the time and reset, yes. really, to get that wisdom and just breathe. And, and you know, I, I can't even imagine the overwhelm that they're feeling. I can't either. I agree with you. And the pandemic, I think, in general, is much more challenging and difficult for younger people than it is for older people. And so I just encourage everyone to to do those still points and access that wisdom. And uh, and then I believe because that will feel so good to you and that will have such an effect in your life once you've done it for uh, a few weeks, a few months, a year, uh, then you will... You'll just automatically do those stopovers on your own because because you'll like doing them. You won't feel guilty. It'll be it'll feel good 
Uh, I always think of the story of the the executive uh, who is uh, climbing the ladder and she's uh, doing all the right things. She's climbing the ladder of success and she's getting promotions and she's doing very, very well. And when she gets to the top of the ladder, she realizes that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. And that's what stopping can help us avoid is getting to a point where it, it feels like it's too late. It's never too late. But it feels like it's too late that I've missed what I what I didn't want to miss. I've missed the most important things uh, that I wanted to be and do. David, from all your years of counsel, what about our teenagers and even our younger children? Can they mm. benefit from this practice? Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, children are masters of this. You just watch a, 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 a small child playing alone, and you know, happy as can be content making imaginary friends and playing with this or that and the other thing and just happy in their own life in their own inner life really is which is 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 what's motivating that uh so they're naturals at it uh teenagers more difficult but the important thing here i think is for adults to give give two things to kids uh example is the main thing um, uh, and, and in that context, I think of a family I know about who uh, the the father decided to do a stopover uh, to go away for a day, and the kids said, "What do, what do, you, what do you mean you're going to go away for a day?" You know, they were really giving him a, a hard time about it. But I, uh, as as he did it, and as he explained what he was doing, and as he came back and so forth, that was an incredible example for those kids because he was taking time for himself to do what he needed to do. So, yeah, one thing is to give them your example and then give them time, give them space. We organize our kids so much today. We go to this group and that sport and that after school. And, of course, now it's so different with the pandemic. But in normal times, yeah, give your kids opportunities to just kick back. I can remember as a kid my my mother saying, go outside and play. I, I don't think parents say that to kids these days um, uh, because they're worried that they're going to get into trouble or and, and, and sometimes it's a, it's a valid worry. I don't, I don't mean to underplay that, but kids don't have that, that uh, quiet time to themselves. So give them opportunities and give them example. If you do, they're great. They're great at it. They, uh, in my experience, they love it. You know, I, I so often think to myself, I people that I meet like you and, and the information I learn and the lessons that you teach and all the other people that I interview, I didn't learn these things until I was in middle age and then I became a student of the work. And, you know, I, I see so often there are people my age that have so much that we have to undo about the way we're living our life. And, and I really pray and hope that we can give these tools to our children so that they can grow up with a really a stronger inner strength and a wisdom that some of us don't have in middle age. Yes, so true. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I came upon this late in life as well, uh, or at least in early midlife. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's so true. Give them the example because that's the powerful thing. They they might not realize it now, but when they get older, they'll say, "Oh, you know what? My mom did that. My my father was aware of that reality of life, and that's the most powerful thing you can do." You know, one of the the, the sayings I, I I really like is 
from Milan Kundera, who's a Czech novelist. And he has a saying that says, slowness is to remembering as speed is to forgetting. So if you slow down, you will remember what you need to remember and keep in mind what you need to keep in mind. But if you just keep going, just keep running, you forget. And then tragedies of all tragedies, you forget that you forgot. So you really don't have anything there to grab onto anymore. It's gone. You've lost it. And the only way I'm convinced to get it back is to just, you know, to put it bluntly, just shut up. Just mm -hmm. be still. Just be quiet. And that's the hardest thing for us contemporary uh, Western uh, people and Western civilizations to do. It's a very hard thing to do. Our world is just screaming at us all the time and telling us what to do and advertising is, is encouraging it and blaring, blaring loudly and, uh, and cleverly and with, with an immense amount of psychological insight as to how to get to our psyches and to our wills. Uh, and we just become victims. It's very, very sad to me. The book is The Art of Stopping, How to Be Still When You Have to Keep Going. If you'd like to learn more about David and his work, you can visit davidkuntz.com. David, in about 30 seconds or less, what is the mm -hmm. takeaway? If you could sum it up, what do you want to leave our listeners with? Oh, if, if, you, if you want to really access your wisdom, your, your unique wisdom, the wisdom that is only you, that only you can give us, that only you are able to put into the world, even if, it's, if it doesn't seem complicated or challenging or immense. It can be small. It can be delicate. It can be quiet. If you want to access that inner wisdom, then find some way, whether it's stopping or some other way, to be quiet, to be still, to be with yourself, because you are an immense treasure, and you have an immense amount of wisdom. And if you're still enough, long enough, you will hear it. And the great thing about stopping is you don't really have to do anything. It happens by itself. It's like a, it's like a computer scanning. And, and it, 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 the, the, the silence and the doing nothing does the work for you. And you might, you might not have some huge insight immediately, but in the long run, you will know and you'll remember what you want and who you are. David, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing this important information. And it has really been a pleasure speaking with you today. Joan, thank you. I really enjoyed it and I appreciate the time. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you feel lost on your journey to health and happiness? Then let us guide you on your path. Personalized actions towards health. Your path is a series of choices you act on every day. We guide you on a personalized journey of dietary, exercise, genetic, supplement, and lifestyle choices that lead you to optimal health and happiness. Often taking the road less traveled leads to liberation. Your path is personal. Your journey, like you, is unique. Take action today. Head to bestpathforme.com. Again, that's bestpathforme.com. 
Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach On Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Allison Carmen, a business consultant, life coach, and author of The Gift of Maybe, offering hope and possibility in uncertain times. Allison's podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, provides simple tools to reduce daily stress and worry. She's here today to discuss how to stop being stuck. Welcome, Allison. Thank you so much for joining us. Joan, thank you so much for having me today. So, Allison, I hear so many people telling me that there are things they want to do or goals they want to achieve, but they just feel like they're so stuck and they can't move forward. What happens when we need life to be a certain way? Well, that's a great question. I mean, the minute we need life to be a certain way, we're going to suffer because life is always going to be uncertain. And a lot of us, we look for certainty because it makes us feel safe. It makes us feel secure. But the problem with that is that we can't predict what's going to happen in life. So the minute something uncertain happens, like the pandemic or a job loss or a child has a problem, we fall apart because we believe that that certainty is not there for us and therefore life's not working out. And we forget is that life can work out many different ways. And this need for certainty makes us feel stuck. And the minute we feel stuck, we don't move forward. We don't look for expansion. We don't come up with new ideas. We don't live our best life because we're just clinging to the past and we're just clinging to the way we thought life would be. And what's so fascinating is usually life is inviting us. It's singing to us to do something new, do something different. Sometimes we have an opportunity and a possibility and we can't even see it because we're so looking for the way we thought life would happen. You know, we look for certainty instead of possibility. And I understand why we do this because deep down we just want to be okay but what we fail to see is that our okayness is when we're open our okayness is when we look at life and we say what is life offering me right now instead of demanding it has to be a certain way we open and we expand and we allow life to happen in front of us and we avail ourselves to so much more that is possible and sometimes we're really not stuck It's just we're holding on to something that no longer is. And when we allow ourselves to put that down, we open up to all that can be. I know in my life, most of the pain that I've experienced was because of all of the woulda, coulda, shouldas that I really believed, you know, the way things were supposed to be. And when you hold on to that mentality, it really does cause so much unnecessary pain. And, And I learned that I had to release those expectations. So What have you done and what do you teach to help release those expectations so that we can move forward? Well, well, the first thing is to create awareness, which which is a it's a big ask, right? Because we have these limiting beliefs that we feel are real. We feel the reality. But once we start to feel that tightness, that stuckness, we have to remember what that feeling is, that pain, that fear and create this awareness. And we have to start asking ourselves, you know, am I holding on to the past? Am I clinging on 
to something that no longer exists. That's the thing, too. Sometimes we're just going this cycle in our head. We want things to be a certain way, but they're not that way. And, you know, there's a level of acceptance that we have. But I don't mean acceptance with resignation because sometimes they're like, okay, I'll just accept the things the way they are and not move forward with my life. It's almost like I consent to receive this situation the way it is. And I am so open to all that's possible. So it's a constant asking ourselves, how am I feeling? Am I feeling uptight? Am I feeling pain? What is life telling me in this moment? Because if we can do that, if we could let go and not grab and not cling and not look for safety, we are going to be so open to the life that is waiting for us. And usually we are the ones that are limiting our lives. So this is a tough one because it's hard to let go of the past, but there's so much waiting for us if we're willing to be open to what life is offering us in the moment. Allison, do you have an exercise that you can leave us with? Just creating that awareness within ourselves and asking us the questions, am I coming to the moment empty and open? Am I holding on to what happened yesterday? Am I not letting go? Am I not availing myself to all that's possible? So it's about acceptance, consenting to receive, and asking the right questions and just opening because, again, life is usually offering us something, and if we're willing to take it, it might lead us in a a beautiful direction that we never could have expected. Allison, thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Allison and her work, you can visit her website, alisoncarmen.com. Or as always, to hear more from Allison, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Allison. We'll be right back. You've put your heart and soul into writing a book. You've made a substantial financial investment in getting the project done. And you have a beautiful publication with your name on the cover. So, how do you reach your potential readers? Introducing the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life Book Club, a resource guide created for books that change lives. A book featured gets recognized. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life includes the work of some of the most inspirational and influential authors in the world. Shouldn't you be there too? Let's get started. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash book club. As a mother, you don't want to have to worry about this bill is coming, but then she needs this chemo. That's a decision you shouldn't have to make. At St. Jude, a family never sees a bill at all. It's like the world has been lifted off of your shoulders. The treatment doesn't get any better than what you receive at St. Jude. It saved my life. It saved my daughter's life. It saved our family. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. This is WNYF, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. Our reliance on technology is rapidly changing how each of us experiences life. We're facing new issues and difficulties. We're encountering new emotional triggers, and we're relating to each other in new ways. People now find themselves caught in the trap of these miraculous tools we've created. Today's guest, Nancy Collier, offers a path for making use of the virtual world while still feeling good, having healthy relationships, and staying connected with what is meaningful in life. She's the author of The Power of Off, The Mindful Way to Stay Sane in a Virtual World. Welcome, Nancy. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Nancy, with technology today, 
We're plugged in 24-7. It's a virtual world and it's getting worse and we're truly addicted. I mean, at least I know I am. So what do you think today's devices are doing in our lives? Why do they have so much power over us? Well, I think you're saying you're addicted is uh, honest, uh, something that most people don't admit. Most of us are walking around, as you're saying, as full-on addicts. The only thing that's different is that we've all drunk the cooling. You know, an addiction used to put you outside society, outside the norm. Now, it actually makes you an insider. So we're facing a very difficult addiction, but completely manageable at the same time. What I think is happening, and I, you know, I've been really studying this for some time now, is technology is not doing anything, is the truth. What technology is appealing to and seductive for is this reptilian brain inside each one of us. We all have a wise, discerning self, and we have this reptilian nature that loves pleasure, loves addiction, loves anything that's easy and distracting and takes us out of the moment. We are suckers for that. So this technology, our devices, is the perfect tool for that part of us. And what's happening is some part of our wiser self, you could say, is waking, is starting to wake up now and say, hmm, maybe living through this, this less evolved, this more primitive part of myself that just wants to check out all the time. And, you know, maybe living with that part of us making the choices is not leading us to a sense of well-being. Well, Nancy, as with any addiction, before we can enact change, we need to understand what's happening to us. And I think I recognized it for the first time when in the middle of the night, I, I woke up for whatever reason. And rather than rolling over and going back to sleep, I turned to my nightstand, grabbed my cell phone, and I started checking emails and Facebook and whatever else. And, <laughs> and I said to myself, what is wrong with you? So now I try to make change. So what type of evaluation tools do you offer to help other people recognize what's happening? Well, I'm glad to hear, though, that you actually said what's happening. To oh, me my God. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> because 90% of 18 to 29-year-olds sleep with their phone mm -hmm. because they don't actually consider that to be odd to check in the middle of the night. And I have numerous clients who check multiple times through the night. And what one of the things that I start to ask people are just the very basic questions you would ask anyone about an addiction, which is, you know, when you can't get on, when you can't use, do you experience withdrawal symptoms? Do you get edgy? Do you get, do you get anxious? Are parts of your life that, you know, used to bring nourishment to you, hobbies, friends, uh, other activities you were involved in, are they starting to shrink as your life becomes more and more narrowed onto the, the addiction of choice? Or are you continuing to use despite negative, a negative impact in your health or your work life or your social life, any of those things? And the big one essentially is, um, do you want to cut down but won't, can't, aren't doing it? So if you ask most people about those questions, most people have a two to three yeses for sure. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, right now, if you, a child born, for example, in 2013, by the time he's seven, he will have spent a year of his life looking at a screen. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're now living in a world where it's considered reasonable behavior to wear diapers in a gaming club so you don't have to interrupt your gaming to go to the bathroom. Mm. So we're definitely, you know, people ask me all the time, are our kids going to grow up as future addicts? And I always laugh because the idea that, you know, we would be future addicts is entirely absurd. So one of the things that I work with people on is to start to recognize how technology is actually making them feel. That's one of the things, you know, that, that you really, we're starting to lose. We're starting to assume that this is now the normal way to feel anxious all the time, overwhelmed all the time, missing out all the time. These are the, so I call it kind of the AOL syndrome, anxious, mm -hmm. overwhelmed, and lacking. But when you start to put people back in touch with, you know, is your life working for you? Is is having to spend that much of your time on the technological tasks? Is that bringing a state of well-being? Is it leading you to feel anxious? How is it for you to be available 24-7? You know, people in my office now, it's really fascinating. A good number of people leave their phones on in their one hour of therapy a week because they don't feel they can even for that mm. one hour that they have the right to turn off. So you start to ask people to check in with, is this working for you? Are you feeling like this is the life you want to be living? You know, what we put our attention on and where we place our time investment, that's what we're saying is important in our lives. Is this really what you want to be setting up as your priority in your life? You know, are you feeling more connected? Is life getting easier for you? See, one of the things that I think is also very encouraging is that the mythology about technology is starting to crack. So the gap between kind of the way it was sold, it makes life easier, it makes life more connected, it makes life um, all the wonderful, you know, more fun, it's starting to crack. People are not having that experience of it. So we see the problem, and, and I'm sure just about everyone that's listening right now sees the situation and understands it. So now what? How do we begin mm -hmm. the detox? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is, first of all, we really have to set an intention and get clear on the fact that we want to make some changes in our life regarding technology and that these are habits. We've set up some really negative habits and habits can be broken and changed when we recognize that this is not working. So at the very beginning, what we're doing is before we, I, I provide in the book a full 30-day detox where you know we, we cut down on certain things every day, but at a very, very basic level, we start to notice how many times in a day we get that thought that says, oh, I could check, or oh, I could, you know, I could shop for a chandelier right now, even though I don't need a chandelier, you mm -hmm. know, all these ways that we, we grab onto technology to distract ourselves. Each time one of those comes down the pike, just note is this habit speaking? Is it need? Is it something to do with work I need to do? Or is it just, I want out of this moment? And if it's habit, you just simply refrain. 
no, I'm, I'm setting up some new habits. I'm not going to take the bait on this one. If it's work, go ahead. If it's needed. And if it's this, I just want out of what I would have to feel right in this moment if I didn't use. I might have to be with myself for a moment. I might have to be in an empty space where I don't have anything specific to do. If that's the case, then just allow yourself to feel what would I have to feel if I didn't use right in this moment. And can I feel that? Can I feel that in my body? Whatever it is, can I allow myself to feel instead of just habitually taking the impulsive thought there and running with it? So I'm encouraging people just to start with some basic awareness exercises of, you know, feel what it feels like to not take the bait. And gradually what starts to happen is we get more interested. You know, most people now, adults and children, they have a minute alone. They get on, they get ready, check their email, they do something. So just in that minute, get interested in what's here if I don't fill this space. The book is The Power of Off, The Mindful Way to Stay Sane in a Virtual World. If you would like to get more information about this topic or Nancy and her work, you can visit nancycollier.com. Nancy, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What do you want to leave our listeners with? Very, very exciting message, which is we can actually have a healthy relationship with technology. We can be the ones deciding how we want to use technology, not technology deciding how we're going to be used by it. And what it requires is bringing some mindful attention to what kind of life you want to live and how we can start changing our behaviors. It's really up to us, so much so. And we've begun to believe that we have to do whatever technology tells us to do. But it's false. We can actually start making some decisions about what really nourishes us, what really makes us feel like we're living a life of value, what makes us feel well. And we want to get our technology choices into alignment with those larger priorities. And it's very doable. Nancy, thank you so much for being here and for talking about why we all need to unplug in order to eliminate negative habits, take back our power, and stay sane in today's digital world. And I promise I am not going to check my phone as soon as the interview's done. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Glad to hear it. We'll be right back. If you're a business owner and you're not using video to market your company, you're losing customers and revenue. No matter whether you're a one-person shop or your revenue is in the seven figures, video is guaranteed to improve your fortunes. Hi, I'm Ed Lamoureux. I'm the owner of Lamore Strategy Group, a marketing consultancy. The most common two things I hear about why businesses aren't using video marketing is, one, I don't know how to do video marketing, and two, I don't feel comfortable on camera. Well, to both of those objections, I say this. Video shouldn't be scary. Failure should be scary. Numbers don't lie. According to HubSpot, video is the number one form of media used in content strategy. And according to WiseOwl, 84% of people say that they've been convinced to buy a product or service by watching a company's video. So how can you ride the video wave to your own success? Well, as Nike says, just do it. Practice, delete, and repeat until it looks good and feels right. And don't forget, you should tell stories if you want to get engagement. No one wants to watch ads. Well... 
perhaps with the exception of advertising agencies who uh, make their living off them. Learn how to tell a story, and you'll soon be watching the clicks and views multiply exponentially. If you need help with your video needs, give us a call or visit our website at lamorestrategies.com. This is Ed Lamoureux from Lamore Strategy Group, where our favorite story to tell is yours. Are you feeling anxiety about going out as we slowly emerge from quarantine? Did you know hypnosis can help you get the control back from anxiety, fears, and negativity? Hi, I am Mary Beth Battaglia, a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner at Metro Hypnosis Center, and I help people work through traumas, fears, panic, anxiety, and stress. I tell all my clients you need to move forward at your comfort level and not compare yourself to others. We need to be respectful of each other, realizing the past year has been challenging for everyone and each of us has been affected differently. Reducing the time spent on watching the news can be helpful to reduce stress and anxiety. Be mindful of your thoughts. If you feel your thoughts are negative, then take a moment to reframe it to a positive one and see how that can change how you feel. Reclaim your power back with hypnosis. Remember to take one day at a time and get help if you need it. I am Mary Beth Battaglia, a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner offering online sessions at MetroHypnosisCenter.com. When you're having a conversation in relationship and it's somewhat controversial, you probably want to be heard and be right. Quite often that's what we want. And so we're maybe a little defensive, but is that right? Or do we want a result? The result being we'd like to get along. Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson, Quality for Life Coaching. And they are two different things, getting along versus being heard and being right. See, because being heard and right is our defense, and that connects to our ego. But ego's not really going to get you that far. If you want a result, then you're going to want to work with humility and truth. So if you've got a difference of opinion, I mean, for me, I'll quickly look for a reason to say I'm sorry. And it has to be true. If I don't know what I've done yet, then I will say, I'm sorry you're hurting. I've done something wrong here because you're hurting. But let's talk further so we can figure this out. And you don't want to talk at someone by saying you this and you that because people just shut their ears. You want to use words like we and use words like experience. I'm having this experience. I know your experience is different. There isn't a right or wrong. There's just different experiences going on here. So we just need to talk it through and land somewhere that feels really good for both of us. So you want to do a lot of that non-heated conversation so that you can both feel good, but nobody is charging at another person. It's not being heard and right. It's just working toward the positive result. Lindsay Levinson, qualityforlifecoaching.com. Look me up. I'd love to talk to you, help you in any way I might be able to. It's time for To Your Health. Joining me today is Mark Anthony, the founder of Prospect Fitness located in Brooklyn, New York. Mark is also the Vice President of Operations for Diet Typing Systems, an online personalized diet therapy system. He's here today to discuss mitochondrial efficiency. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Jill. Thanks for having me on today. 
So Mark, mitochondrial efficiency, this sounds so important. What exactly is it and how does it impact our life? Mitochondrial efficiency has to do with how effectively your body produces energy. It also deals with how well you care for your mitochondria, which ultimately leads to a healthy body. Mitochondria are little bacteria-like organelles, structures located in our cells. There are many functions of of the mitochondria. However, the primary purpose of mitochondria is to produce energy for our bodies from the food that we eat and the air we breathe. Mitochondria can also regulate the atmosphere of the cell, respond to hormones, and are responsible for cell death. Roughly 70 billion cells die in an adult body every day. So then how does our diet affect mitochondrial efficiency? Our diets probably have the greatest effect on mitochondrial efficiency. Without proper nutrients like B vitamins, coenzyme Q10, alpha-lipoic acid, and antioxidants, the mitochondria do not function well. A poor diet can also lead to the destruction of the mitochondria's DNA, which research is learning can lead to diseases like cancer, Parkinson's, and autism. Can we help our bodies create more mitochondria? Absolutely. Exercise is probably one of the best ways to build mitochondrial density. Our cells have a range of a few dozen mitochondria to several thousand per cell, with most cells having one to 2,000 mitochondria. Mitochondria can possibly make up to 40% of our biomass. The more the body senses the need for greater energy through exercise, the more the cells will pack them with mitochondria. Since mitochondria are part of the body that burns fat, the more you have, the greater your chances for weight loss success. Also, you will want to do both strength training and cardio exercise to build mitochondrial density. Where can our listeners go to get more information about you and your work? As always, you can visit our website, prospectfitness.com. Mark, thank you so much for being here. This is such an interesting topic. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Fear is one of the most powerful forces in life. It affects the decisions we make and the actions we take. And while the primary role of fear is to keep us safe, it often becomes the obstacle that stands between us and our dreams and goals. Hi, this is Joan Herman here with a lesson learned while earning my PhD in life. You can allow fear to stop you from taking action or you can face, challenge and overcome it. There are rational fears, the ones that are based in reality, such as encountering a bear while on a hike in the woods. And there are irrational fears that keep us stuck. These are the stories we tell ourselves about outcomes we believe will happen. With no factual basis, they usually begin in childhood and remain with us until something is changed. These can be labeled destructive fears. While it's not always easy to recognize our fears and how they keep us stuck, Here are a few clues that experts say may help us determine if our life is guided by fear rather than joyful freedom. You see only the downside. You avoid anything new or unknown. You stay small. You are indecisive. How can you move past the fear? First, become aware of what scares you and how you respond. Keep a journal, and when you recognize a fear, jot it down. Then write down how you react when fears arise. Keep track of anything that seems significant. Learning about your fears can help you transform them. Once you are aware of your thoughts and responses, you can employ a few strategies for change. Use your imagination for good. Instead of letting your thoughts take you down a dark hole, imagine yourself in the situation with a positive outcome. Take a time out. Don't react immediately and give yourself some time and space for analysis. Clear your mind by focusing on your breath, taking a walk, or participating in any activity that calms you down. Then, when your mind is clearer, analyze the situation with a new perspective. Talk to a friend or advisor. Gaining insight from someone on the outside can help you see a situation in a different light. Remember, 
Fear is nothing more than false evidence appearing real. You can allow fear to stop you from taking action, or you can face, challenge, and overcome it. The choice is yours. Thank you for spending this time with me. For more empowering tips and strategies, visit joanherman.com. joining us, I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC.